I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with another creative from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I have been focusing on the Midwest a bit lately to illustrate and pull focus on the idea that nothing creative is happening in what I call the design flyovers. Yeah, we're going to get to that too. <laughs> The design flyovers. Any state that isn't California or New York, and any city that isn't Miami, Boston, Atlanta, Chicago, or the others deemed as, quote-unquote, its cities for design. Within these non-flyover cities lie creatives who go about their work every day creating amazing, incredible spaces that you never see in the glossy shelter pubs and online in the Flavor of the Month websites. If I sound a bit snarky about this, I, I, I guess I am. I have always felt that the majority of home and design editors, contributors, and dare I say, influencers don't really know or love design. They know and love clicks, sales, shares, and likes. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, because that in and of itself indicates a, a level of success or, or buy-in, right? We're a capitalist society. And without the business of design, there would be no design business. That being said, and I have made this abundantly clear over the past nine years doing this podcast. I'm an outsider to the industry first. I, I can't really say that anymore. After talking about the business since 2010, I can't really say that I'm not now or any longer an insider, but I came to interior design and architecture because I have always loved it, and I still do. That's why I don't focus on speaking with creatives you already know. Well, sometimes I do. I love introducing you to amazing people, doing incredible things for their clients and the brands that make it all work. So allow me to introduce you to Lynn Knight Jesse principal designer and owner of Kitchen Concepts in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's an award-winning designer with decades of success, producing some fantastic projects with a showroom in Tulsa that features some of your favorite brands for the kitchen and bath. Jesse has been doing this for over four decades, and you are going to hear about ways the business of design in Tulsa has changed and continues to change as more people discover this stylish city with a passion for traditional and an appetite for what's next. Speaking of what's next, you're going to hear all about it in this episode right after this. For well over a year now, you have been hearing incredible conversations, interviews, and panels with amazing creative talent as part of our Wellness and Design Thought Leadership series presented by Thermosol. It has been and continues to be an absolute joy working with the entire team at Thermosol from the top down. This multi-generational family business has been producing the gold standard in steam generators, saunas, steam showers, and steam shower accessories for decades. Thermosol is the original steam shower with technology that is state-of-the-art, made and manufactured in the United States. The company's history with steam showers started by David Altman in 1958. Murray Altman acquired Thermosol's steam bath division in 1989, and the company is now led by Mitch Altman from their world-class production facility in Round Rock, Texas. 
The most successful designers and architects are using steam showers to maximize wellness, relaxation, and enjoyment for their clients. Thermosol is a staunch advocate for the design trade, and I am so proud to have them as a presenting partner of Convo by Design and the Wellness and Design Thought Leadership Series. If not familiar with the entire range of Thermosol products, please check out thermosol.com. When did you get started in design and why? Well, I actually went to college on a journalism scholarship. I always thought I would be a writer and I actually had a scholarship from Gaylord in Oklahoma City and I was in it for six months and I was miserable and my professors just looked at me and said, you'll never make it as a newspaper person because you're too flowery. Well, as a little child, I'd moved my mother's and dad's furniture around. Every time they came home, it was in a different location. So I thought, well, I'll try interior design. So I got my degree in interior design. And I'm one of the few interior designers that really has a degree in interior design. You know, I've learned over my lifetime that interior design is not the degree you get. It's the God-given talent that you've been given. So anybody can be a designer because God gave it to them. And that's how I got into it. It's interesting. I found that there are generally three traditional ways designers wind up as, as designers, or in some case, decorators. You, you go to school and you get the degree. Mm-hmm. You just you do a room in your home, and then you put it on social media. That's a millennial way to do it. That's a very, you do a room in your home, you put it on the internet, and then you start having design conversations, and then somebody will hire you to get a job, and then you, you go from there. The third way is uh, someone decides they, they want to be a designer, and so they get an internship with another design firm. Those seem to be the three most common, traditional. I think, I think that as, as design gets more complicated, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but as design, as the industry gets more complicated, you know, post-COVID, it certainly has gotten more complicated, mm-hmm. designers need to know their craft. You can't just know what's pretty. And it's interesting that you, you talk about the God-given talent. And it's, it's true, you have to have that. But without the ability to understand how to properly measure a room, to actually you know, understand the, the depth when measuring window coverings, curtain drapes, to understand how to measure it for the right fall, for, the right, for that feeling, to, unless you know how to do that. And that's something that you get with a degree. Yes, and that's true. And, you know, now the industry that I'm in, being in more the kitchen design and remodeling part of it, which is fairly new to me, I've learned, you know, I have to know what are load-bearing walls, what are, what can I move, what I can't, what can I not move. And, uh, I mean, it becomes a, not only technical, but it becomes a big safety issue in people's homes and what you can do. I mean, uh, an educated person can go in and pretty much destroy a home if they don't know exactly what they need to do. And uh, that can be dangerous. So I'm glad that I got the expertise and uh, it sure come in handy later in my career than it did at first when I was just doing interior design and doing the colors and the selection and the furniture. It's just a whole different ball game when you get into the construction part. And I think nowadays more people are looking for you to be 
that educated they want you to do the whole job they don't just want you to be a pretty color person that's kind of gone away in my life it has and um, so your expertise is just very very important your knowledge it is and it's interesting too because you know for me coming from southern california where the regulations are so stringent i mean you know, th- there are stories that I've that I've had relayed to me about people who are you know who who are going to Arizona for their toilets because you know there are certain low flow issues that because of that you can't get them in California so they go to other states to to bring them in they put the they put the standard in for inspection and then as soon as the inspector leaves they they change them out. One example of just how how crazy the industry has gotten. The other thing is everything is you know, from permitting to what's available, to what's expected, to what you can do. It's crazy. And because of that, you know, you have to know that your designer has the chops to do it. Now, curious, when did you transition into the the kitchen and bath, the showroom side of it, the kitchen uh, side? 1994. Why? Well, because actually, this is a story. Uh, <laughs> My son had always worked for me. I had an in, interior design studio for years, you know, him growing up. He loaded carpet. He helped clean. He did everything. And so he told me, he said, one day I want to work with you, and I want to start a furniture line. And I said, sure, Jimmy, we'll do that. We'll do that. Well, he came to me. Uh, he was a master salesman, had worked for a large company, and they kept cutting his commission down because he was the number one salesman, and they didn't want to pay him the money. And he said, I'm ready to do it, Mom. And I'm going, no. And he goes, yes, we're going to do it. So we worked about a year on our business plan, and then he and I went into business together, building furniture and building kitchens uh, in 1994. And uh, we did a we had a country French uh, cabinetry company. We were actually the first people to create the furniture look in kitchens. And we took it to New York City and got knocked off by a lot of people. And we really never had the capital to do it in the big way. But so we sold it locally and we sold it in New York and we sold it in California and we sold it in North Carolina. So we sold it all over the United States, Gross Point, Michigan. We did a kitchen next door to the Ford home. So we were having fun doing that, and that's kind of how I got into all of it. Something you said, truer words. You know, I, I love our industry. Mm-hmm. I love the business. But rarely do you see things get knocked off faster than, oh. than in design. I tell you, we were in the Las Vegas Luxury Kitchen and Bath Show, and... They just came in in masses with cameras. And it was like we were in a Broadway show or something, all the cameras going off, because no one had ever seen the product before. And we had the same thing happen in New York, but it was much more in California than, or Las Vegas than it was in New York. But uh, I had a cabinet company that I was very, very fond of, the William O. Company, and he was a purist in country French and kind of my guru. And he came into our showroom and saw our new product. And he said, I have one thing to say to you, young lady. And I'm going, oh, no, what's he going to say to me? And he goes, jealous. So we knew we had something. And we did. We did for a long time. Now it's not all passe. 
So you have to you have to keep evolving in design. You can't stay in one place very long because you'll get ran over. So you better keep evolving. No, it's absolutely true. So a couple of questions for you, and I'm I want to get into the style of Tulsa because I think this is really interesting. When when the city was really was founded based on you know strike at the at the Glenpool Glenpools. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So all of these oil men came in from New York and they sort of crafted this city as a, as a little Manhattan at the time. So if you go, when, when you're downtown and in midtown and in surrounding areas and you're looking at this incredible Art Deco architecture, it's amazing. It is amazing. And you, you wouldn't know it that that you're in Tulsa. Now here's the first question. Which I'm I'm it's a 50-50 question, which is really interesting to me that I am getting an even response. Are we in the south or are we in the Midwest? I think we have a lot of southern roots, but I think we're in the Midwest. So I'm going to tell you we are <laughs> both of them. <laughs> because of that, I feel like there's there's a sense of continual traditional tastes which i feel like now you know i'm a newcomer to the, to the city but I, so i've had a chance to really dive in and explore and i'm loving this you're starting to see some modern influences in the city but not traditional modern influences if that makes any sense just but but current and relatively recent modern influences does that what is the taste of Tulsans, and and I, I ask you because you're the you're the person to ask because when it comes to kitchens, that's when you can really tell what somebody's taste is. Furniture, you can change furniture, you can change paint color, you can change wallpaper, you can change fabrics, you can change materials, but you can't change your kitchen that often. You can, but most don't. What is the what is the what is the palette like? What is the design palette like here in Tulsa? Well, I think it's very um, I think it's very mixed. Uh, we're doing a lot of transitional, and that I call it transitional. I don't know what the real definition of it, but to me, it's people that have been so country French that are trying to get into modern, but they're not quite there yet. So, like my own home, I have a lot of wonderful old antiques, but I have my house contemporary, and I think it's the blend. And I think that defines Tulsa really well. I think we're a blend. Um, But I've been around this long enough to know that things come and things go. So I just don't see Tulsa being totally contemporary ever. But I do see a lot of contemporary influence. You know, Tulsans are very educated people. And they like art, and they like nice things. So they travel a lot. So I think our homes are more eclectic with contemporary pieces and traditional pieces and things we've collected. And so when people ask me about trends, I kind of laugh because it's like I'm not a trendy person, and I've done this long enough to know that that comes and goes. So I think the trend to me is what my clients are needing at that time and uh, putting all their things together and coming up with a, a room that they just love. You, know. you are listening to my conversation with 
Tulsa, Oklahoma designer Lynn Knight Jesse, and we will be right back to that right after this. So listen, wallpaper's having a moment, a well-deserved moment that is allowing designers to craft and create in new and amazing ways. Convo by Design has a new partner this year. This partnership includes participation in our remote design house Tulsa project, of which you will be hearing a lot about this year. I've been working closely with an exclusive group of partners, and I am absolutely thrilled to be working with York Wall Coverings. This company has been crafting exquisite wall coverings for over a century, with an archive that dates back to the early 18th century. This deeply rich history provides inspiration for the future, and the designs available through the York Wall Covering Studio have long been lauded for their authenticity and craftsmanship. This art, artistry, and history combined with a commitment to continually reimagining the manufacturing process allows York Wall Coverings to provide a consistently exquisite product. For options and inspiration, find them online, yorkwallcoverings.com. You can also find their store locator tool online at yorkwallcoverings.com for a location near you. And I feel like there's, there, there's certainly a difference between trendy and trending. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, it gets to be a bad word when you add the why to it. Because, That's exactly right. Because then it's like, it's like that whole concept of fast fashion. You know, it mm-hmm. comes and it goes. That's not, that's not how design is supposed to work, but all, too often. That's why it's, it's pet peeve of mine is the color of the year. Oh, I get asked that all the time. I have the newspapers call me and I go, I don't do color of the year. You know, whatever my client likes, that's my color. You know, I mean, to be a designer is not to be picking colors it's to listen to your client and do what they want you to do and give them what they can't achieve on their own you know that's what sets you apart now that being said there are outside influences that will say you know biophilia is becoming more popular in the home you know with with more and more lush landscape type materials brought into the home a living herb garden on the wall of a kitchen great idea um if if someone can keep up with it that is a great trending idea. It's not for everybody, but it's a really cool idea. Um, you know, another trending idea in California, the idea of a cannabis room has been around for quite some time, which basically took the place of, again, it, it's following trend. Um, it, was, it was a cigar room, late 80s, early 90s. Then it became a wine room mid-90s, early 2000s, now it's a cannabis room because that's sort of where things have gone. So you have your wine on this side and then you've got a hygrometer in a, in, a, in a case over here. What's really interesting is I see you're laughing a little bit because here we are in Tulsa with more dispensaries than anywhere else in the country. And I, I think it was shocking for me and I think it's shocking for, for most other people. Have you been asked... To, to start incorporating that into a kitchen yet? No, I haven't been asked that. I have worked with clients that own the companies, but I haven't been asked that. But I think what it's interesting is Tulsa is behind California. So I would say we're still in the wine room area right now. We haven't quite got to the kind of box yet. But we will, trust me. Well, that's what I find so interesting because you've got this, it's a, it's a dichotomy Mm-mm. where... When it comes to the, now, when it comes to the cannabis side of things, and I think it's interesting, I, I pick on that specifically because it's, it touches into design, it touches into social fabric, it touches so many different elements. 
there are probably more dispensaries here than the average you know per capita than every it, corner than in Los Angeles it's just not it's not legalized for for adult use for recreational use right it's me, it's still medicinal but the, they're saying that that's going to change within the next year or two it is no different than the idea of a wine room or a cigar room because you're dealing with the same basic issues exactly you know it doesn't it doesn't change but i bring that up because there are other issues too like when it comes to um for example german appliances i can ask you about this like a like a german appliance they're extremely clean the edges are very sharp those haven't really taken off here or have they well thermidor is a german product so uh you know, it's it's a German-owned company, but their styling is a little softer. Yes, you're probably talking uh, like a Mila. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a pretty good product. Yeah, in the United States, uh, Gaganol, though, is the very sharp lines. It's also made by Thermador by BSH International, um, and it has the cleaner lines, more European. And I, of course, it's quite a bit higher in, but I haven't seen it take off in uh, Tulsa the way the Thermidor and the Bosch has. Do you think that it's? Do you think that it's the price point, not the styling? You know, I have found in Tulsa that if people want it, they spend the money. They're not afraid to spend money in Tulsa, um, and they're just a very classy group of people. So I don't really feel like it's the money as much as it is the the stylish look. It's, it's, it has a much more contemporary look, which I think is beautiful. They've always had a beautiful product. But I think that has been the difference. In my life, it has been. Have you seen, rather reversing the question, what, what have been the, the lifestyle changes that you've seen in, in Tulsa in, you know, compared to years past? Well, Tulsa was so country French for so long that everything in the world we had had a ruffle on it, and it was, you know, we just threw up all over everywhere with country French. And I think now, you know, it's so much cleaner, and uh, I know myself, I have a basement full of things that I have took off my uh, counters and things to clean clean up I have a wonder I have a wonderful basement full of lovely things that just sitting down there now because I've changed I don't know if that has to do with my age or if that just has to do with all that's going on in the world you don't want to encumber yourself with all this stuff when you come home I just think there's a lot of uh, dynamics that play into that but Tulsa's become much cleaner as far as their design aspects what are you being asked for now that maybe you weren't being asked for prior to March 13th of 2020? Well, our business has been incredible because people have been home. So we're doing a lot of remodeling, a lot of remodeling. And I think they either get, get new kitchens or get a divorce. I don't know which is right. But I think people are now living in their homes and they realize how valuable they are. Before they were someplace they came home to and they slept and they traveled and they did this and they did that. And now they've been locked in their homes and they realize, you know, this is really important to us. This is where we could end up staying. We do not know what's going to happen to us anymore. This pandemic has totally thrown all of us off as far as living in the United States and thinking we're protected and nothing bad can ever happen to us. 
So now we realize that we've got to make these homes be a place of refuge and a place of sustainability and a place to be healthy in. And it's just totally taken our minds and twisted them around. And I just see that with my clients. You know, they just, they want to have a place they're comfortable and feel safe in because it, right now that's the only place they feel safe. So what, what brands do you show here? Like what? Appliance-wise. Do you show everything? Well, I, I show Thermador, and I show Bosch, and I show uh, Signature Kitchen Suites. That's mainly the three lines, and that's because I have been involved with them on their design council. What, what? I don't sell appliances. Right. So when you're, when you're designing for your clients, mm-hmm. what, what has the supply chain done to your delivery times? <laughs> well, Thermador I can't even get. And uh, so that's kind of cut that out of the market for me. Uh, Signature Kitchen Suites, they were smart enough to stock up. And uh, so I've been able to get appliances from them, which has been great. But on the supply chain, I'm going to tell you it's been really, really difficult. And as far as when we do the bathrooms and things, we can't even get a freestanding tub. Uh, Kohler and Delta are almost impossible to get product from. I've waited as long as 10 months on a faucet. So it has really hurt our industry as far as being able to get in and get a job done. What, what, are, your, what are your reps saying long-term? I don't think they're seeing any change for quite a while, and I honestly think it'll get worse before it gets better. Um, I hate to say that, but I'm experiencing it every day, and I don't think the consumer quite understands that yet. I think they, I mean, we get people very angry at us that we can't get jobs completed, and no one wants to get them completed more than we do, because your profit's on the back end. and. but it's it's just really really difficult yeah and you know it's interesting i was doing i was writing a piece recently a couple of months ago i was writing a piece about and it's a it's an ongoing project um because i wanted to sort of track it and a couple of months ago there were 49 ships off the coast off the coast of california um port of long beach about a month before that, it was 44. As of today, it's 60. And I cross-tabulated that against the ships in Hong Kong, or sorry, in China, waiting to load. There's 154 ships off the coast of China right now that can't dock to put product on. So if you can't put the product on and you can't take the product off, <laughs> chances are. So it, it makes me wonder because, you know, for someone like you, if, if you're a designer doing FF&E, you know, decoration, sofas, furnishings, wallpaper, paint, you know, you can go to a workroom and have a sofa built. 
it's it's still a little challenging because some may have the foam, some may, may have the fabric. But generally speaking, you can you can cobble a way together to if the if that sofa isn't there, you can either specify something different or maybe you work with a local workroom to build one. If you want an appliance, you're not getting a local workroom to build you a refrigerator. What do you do? Well, what we're doing <clears throat> on our large remodeling is that we're ordering all of our appliances and all of our plumbing things as the first thing we do. Uh, and then we're having to schedule our construction by the delivery times. We don't want to go in and tear somebody's house up and not be able to get product. So we're trying to work off the delivery times that we get, that we go in and uh, start the project. But we have to start early. That's one of the hardest things too, is to tell someone, well, you really need to get all your deposits in because we need to get all these things ordered, but we're not gonna start your project for six months. And they look at us like, well, you're taking my money. Well, actually, we're not taking your money. We wanna get your product in and get your electrical, your this, your that, lined up before we come in and destroy your home. <laughs> you know, because you're not going to like me then, and maybe you'll like me now, you know. It's just so, it's just a different way of programming and scheduling things. Yeah, so do you have a process? Yes, we do. What, what do you tell your clients? It's like, here's how you get ready for us. Here's what we need to do. Well, we have a scheduling system that we start. We order our cabinets. We used to just order our cabinets first. And then when we get a de delivery date for our cabinets, we back up exactly how many weeks it's going to be that we need to get the work done before we can install those cabinets. And that's when we start the project. So no one's out of their kitchen for like six or seven months before a product gets in. So that's basically what we work off. Now it's not the cabinets. I mean, the cabinets have gone from like a six week delivery to a 12 week, so they've doubled. But appliances have gone from like 30 days to 30 years. <laughs> you know, I mean, not quite 30 years, but you know what I mean. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and the um, from a from a cost standpoint, it's it's just gone up. Oh, fortunately, I'm not noticing the price increase as much now as I'm noticing the lack of being able to get the product. Does that I think that happens in the luxury market. We deal a lot with the luxury market, so the price has always been up there. But Does that change your business model at all? I mean, does it, does it make you look at what you do primarily, kitchen and bath, and say, okay, well, we, for now, we're going to expand into different categories. We're going we're gonna to work more on other areas of the home, or we're going to focus on that until some sense of, of normal comes back? Well, we've always done that. So we do closets, we do interior design, we do large um, remodels, all the furniture and everything. So we do already do that. What it has made me think about is uh, we have actually resourced products made in the United States. So FYI, yay USA. So we have some plumbing fixtures that we can get that are made in the United States. We, uh, we're trying to outsource more things that are available locally, and, uh, and I mean locally in the States, than we ever have before. 
because most of your Kohler and all that stuff is made in China and somewhere else. And unfortunately, I sometimes think the United States have cut their nose off despite their face when everything's outsourced and now we need it inside and you can't get it. Well, listen, I mean, you have you have certain companies that have in design, you know, not not naming and shaming, but you have some companies in design who would who had traditionally worked almost exclusively in China. Exactly. And then when this whole thing started, many of them said, "Okay, well, we're going to get out of China and go into Vietnam. In Thailand, well, now you've got a, a worse problem because much of much of their capacity is completely shut down because of COVID. You know, people forget COVID is still raging here, but it is completely out of control in some of the other places. That's exactly right. And and Vietnam is one of those places. You know, so so if you think it's going to be better in Vietnam or Thailand, or it's not. You know, so then. I think your idea is spot on. I think this idea of coming back to the states, the problem is we don't we don't do as much manufacturing here in the states. That's been very sad because every production now is driven by money. And if they can get it cheaper, they're going to get it somewhere else instead of having it made locally. And I when I say locally, I mean the United States. <clears throat> it's really sad. But we do have a great uh, rapport with some companies that are in the United States. Well, so that's what I wanted to ask you about next. Is I wanted to find out from a, from a, let's work inside out about when it comes to resources, right? So general resources, starting in Tulsa, you know, Fabricut has their headquarters, exactly. which is remarkable. But then it gets, it gets a little thin. Then, you know, you've got some Texas companies where where do you find some of your best resources? Well, I, we find them from our reps, to be quite honest. They'll come in and say, well, I have this line that's made locally or in the United States. It's made in Nebraska or it's made in Ohio. And again, having the opportunity to be on some of these design councils, I've got designers from New York. I have designers from all over the United States. And... Uh, and they know where to resource things in the United States. So we all, when we get together, we really spend our time talking about where we can get things and helping each other. So it's it's a good network to have. It's a great collective experience. It's exactly right. And I think COVID has pulled us together like that, which is a blessing. So you know, in every storm, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, and it's uh, it has its good and its bad. It's true. But I've learned a lot. And I'll tell you, we are a surviving world, and we find ways to make it work. And uh, I'm the eternal optimist, you know. It's like, don't tell me I can't do something, because I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And I think that's a good American spirit that a lot of us have, you know. It's, don't tell me I can't do it. I'm going to figure out a way to do it. And... I have a theory about that. What's that? So I've been espousing this idea for quite some time. I think that designers and architects are futurists. Oh, I do too. And the scale is different. Architects, their time frame is 50, 75, 100 years. Designers, your time frame is... 10, 15, 20, 25 years. 
And at the same time, both are always looking into the future, learning from the past and figuring out how to do it differently in the future because that's a diff- you're creators at heart and, and that's a differentiator. And I love that. And that's why I, I love the industry as much as I do. And I think that you kind of hit something right on the head with this this idea of the resources really are dependent upon the creators yourselves. You know, your ability to talk to a designer in Seattle and Portland, Oregon and Portland, Maine and Dallas, Texas and Los Angeles. That's how you get your inside scoop. That's where it, that's where it all comes from. Have you found have you found yourself ready, willing, and able to start traveling again? Yes, I, I would go anywhere, to be quite honest with you. I'm not worried about that as much. Um, I don't know. I, that doesn't bother me. I, w- I would travel again. So when, as everything comes back online, what are you most looking forward to? Is it Salone? Is it Cape Is is it what are you looking forward to well actually i've gotten involved with another design council and uh, their company happens to be located in turkey so i have a trip planned to turkey and then um, we have another trip planned to milan in april with another company that i work with so i'm looking forward just you know, I love our industry, and I love learning, and I love the opportunity to get to go to these places and see what they're doing. And um, so I, I'm excited about traveling, and I'm excited about learning. And I think that you can't always learn if you don't travel. You know, it opens your horizons. It makes you see things that you normally don't see. No, it's very true. <clears throat> from a from a brand standpoint. Who who do you think we can we can stick to uh, kitchen and bath if you'd like? But who's doing it right? Well, I think a lot of them are doing it right. I'm excited about this sustainable living. I think it's sustainable and healthy living is the new wave of the future. I so I'm very involved in that. I'm getting ready to put a sustainable kitchen in here. So I'm looking for sustainable cabinetry. I'm looking for sustainable appliances. And I'm always, I'm the entrepreneur. I'm looking for the next thing that's going to happen right around the corner. I've already done what's going on now, but let's do something different. So that's my forte in our company is I'm always pushing people to do, let's do the cutting edge. Let's try this because no one else is doing it. I I love that. And we're definitely going to, um, we're going to check back with you periodically if that's okay with you i love that all right that's great thank you for the time today well thank you for including me i appreciate it i enjoyed it we are living at a time of incredible growth both technologically and creatively with respect to interior design exterior design and architecture there is no question there are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living, designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. 
a history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. Thank you, Lynn. Loved our chat. Love what you're doing. For more stories like this, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. You can find the show everywhere you get your favorite podcasts, but you already knew that. What you might not know is that there are literally hundreds, hundreds of other episodes for you to binge on right now. So please go check them out and subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. Thank you, Thermosol, Article, York Wall Coverings, Moya Living, and Franz Wigner for your partnership and support. You are remarkable partners and amazing allies for the trade. And thank you for listening. Remember why you do what you do and that the business of design is about making better the lives of those we serve. Until next week, be well and take today first. Mm -hmm.